Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good. Okay, you're going to talk about authority um, tonight. We're in a series, we've been looking since January, believe it or not, all about the kingdom of God and uh, different kind of themes that there are in terms of what the Bible talks about in the, in the kingdom of God. And um, there is that phrase that we sang about before in that great that song, Majesty, about kingdom authority. And what does that mean? What do what does it mean when we think about authority? We're going to uh, start off by looking at um, the Bible together. So if we can put up the first slide, please, Matt. Um, this is somebody who knew something about authority and uh, how he connected with Jesus. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralysed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Authority. What do you think of when you hear the word authority? So many people have got a very negative picture of that word and it's probably not surprising when it's often been so misused, misconstrued, misconceived, misrepresented, abused and it's been the cause of so many letdowns at so many levels um, in family life, in our personal lives, sometimes at work and even beyond that into like the national and international scene. Of course, some people have a more positive view of authority. They hear the word authority and they think of order and they think of, of uh, peace and uh, how things are meant to work and bringing stability. But some people think stability, other thing, others think stifling. Others think it's a restriction of, of, of freedom. It's uh, a necessary evil at best. But true authority, the way God talks about authority, the way God uses authority is never restrictive, it's releasing it's never stifling. It's meant to create an, an environment for flourishing. It's meant to be something that, that real life grows because of authority. And we were all created to be under authority and to exercise authority. There's a place for you to pray in, to think in, to dream, to discover, to deploy, to develop your gifts and to do that under the authority of God and when it's under the authority of God it will also carry the authority of God see like I said authority can be positive or negative but that, that's the same with all kinds of different things it's like a knife you know you can use a knife to, um, to spread butter on your toast and you can use the same knife to threaten somebody or rob them with or do something evil with the knife isn't the problem it's like an iron you can use the iron like I do, as the man of the house, it's a very manly thing to do, to do the ironing. And you can iron and do good with it. Or you can you could burn yourself. The, the iron's not the problem. It's how you use the iron. And so some people, in the same way, when they hear about authority and they think about authority, they react 
instantly negatively to it. Maybe they've been burned in the past and they think, oh, somebody's talking about authority, that's because they're going to try and control me, that's because they're trying to stop me from doing something in some way or they're going to try and you know, hem me in or push me down. So there's all these misconceptions about authority that there are around. You might think of a person who, who uses authority as the way to exert greater power over somebody else in order to be able to subdue other people. But did you know that power and authority are not the same thing? In fact, we have different words for them. In the Bible, they're used in very different ways too because they're different concepts. Although they are related, they're not the same. See, power is the ability to do something. It's the, it's the ability to make something happening or to prevent something from happening. That's what power is. And authority is being authorised to do it legitimately. You see the distinction? See, we've all experienced somebody who has used power in ways that are abusive, that are manipulative. If a child is exposed when they're young to abusive power, perhaps by a parent or, or somebody else, then that is going to affect how they view authority from that point on, unless it's addressed and dealt with and in some way changed. I've just been two weeks in court. I, uh, I was on the jury. Can't talk about the details of the case, but it turned out the case I was involved in was a very, very serious one where the person involved ends up getting, got done for 18 years in prison. So I think it was a God thing that I was there. As I, as I, look, as I say, I can't go into the details, but it was a definite God thing that I was there. But there was a person who was kind of tangentially sideways involved in this who I just saw was a, somebody who'd had the life just sucked out of them completely because they'd been in a relationship where they were abused where authority had been misused and somebody who should have been there to protect them and help them had actually used their power in ways that robbed them of life. And this was just like a, a person without any fight in them at all as a result of that. And they weren't even able to stand up for what was right as a result of it for somebody else. And we've seen that authority can be misused in government settings in our country without even getting into the politics to be honest with you they all do it at different times and so therefore there's this disillusionment with authority and with government authority as a result of people feeling like you're just using that power for yourself you're not using it with the authority it's meant to do which is meant to be for the good of everybody else you're not using it for our benefit you're using it for your benefit in order to do what you think you want to see done. You're not doing the right thing with the power. And that's the reason that we feel like that is because deep down we know power is meant to be used right. It's meant to be used for good. It's, it's, it's a tool that's meant to be used for something good. So power is just ability. But authority is a responsibility. Authority is actually authorization to be able to use power for service for others. Real authority is authorization for service. 
And power, as I said, is ability, but authority is responsibility. You can't separate those two. When you separate the two, you're going to end up with trouble. See, if you see somebody who has power, but no authority, that's dangerous. They're going to use their power wrong. And if you use somebody who has authority, but no power, that's useless. Again, we just saw this in the kind of weird ceremony that took place with the Queen there. And there was lots of authority around and being spoken of in a sense, but there's no power. Because people have got so fed up with authority and the way that power has been misused that we've ended up with this non-trusting system where nobody's really able to change much of anything. See, sometimes people take the power that they've got and they use it in an unauthorised way. And they use it for their own benefit. They use it to boss other people about, to manipulate them so that I can get an advantage over you, so I can get you to do what I want you to do. That's, you know, to coerce you. What's the opposite of coercion? Cooperation. When you decide you want to work with me and we want to work together for the benefit of each other and for others. We give our best, we decide to contribute to that. So some people think authority is just a matter of who's in charge, who rules around here, who gets their way, who gets their say. And that's actually a very childish way of thinking. Who's the boss? So many times if you've ever had kids, you'll hear in the, in, in the back of the car, one of them saying to the other one, tell him, tell him. You're not the boss of me. He's not the boss of me, is he, Mum? We don't want somebody to be the boss of me. The fact is a person can end up positionally in charge of being the boss, it would appear, but with no true authority because being in charge without authorisation cancels out your authority. So authorisation is not about position. It's not about manipulation. It's not about control or domination. It's not about titles. You can... You can be authoritarian, if you know what that word means. You can be an authoritarian, like bossy, if you like, but not have authority. You just can end up a dictator. Jesus talks about the way that this can go wrong in religious settings, and often it, it does. In Matthew chapter 23. He said this, talking about a group of leaders, he said, they love to sit at the head table at church dinners, basking in the most prominent positions, preening in the radiance of public flattery, receiving honorary degrees and getting called doctor and reverend. Don't let people do that to you, put you on a pedestal. You all have a single teacher and you are all classmates. Don't set people up as experts over your life, telling them what you, letting them tell you what to do. Save that authority for God. Let him tell you what to do. No one else should carry the title of father. You only have one father and he's in heaven. And don't let people manoeuvre you into taking charge of them. There's only one life leader for you and them, Christ. So this is saying, don't you be that to other people as well as don't you let people do that to you. You want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, You'll get the wind knocked out of you. I love the message version so often. And I love that passage because I'm actually always very wary of titles. 
In church terms, very often people want you to have a title and people want a title and they want to be able to put a badge on you and are you the pastor, are you the whatever, are you? I'm like, I'm Anthony, servant of God. You know, the apostle Paul could have said all kinds of stuff about himself. He would just say, slave, do loss. Saved by grace, that's all I am. So I'm wary of titles. I'm wary of people who want titles. I never give jobs to people who want titles because you know it's going to go wrong. And you should never have to lead out of your title. There's been a few times I've had to say, well, I'm the senior pastor and this is what, or something like that. And you know, I, I really have said it, I can think about it twice, I think. Every time afterwards I thought, I got it wrong. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. I've misused authority by having to say this is who I am and now you've got to do what I say because ultimately it, it, it's down to cooperation it's down to working with people and with the Holy Spirit and working together like that and when I've done that it's a failure because I want people to follow me as I follow Christ from inner respect not from exterior pressure so true authority is not domineering, dictating, oppressing, manipulating, mastering. It's not disempowering. It's not overpowering. It's not forcing. It's not controlling. It's not subjecting other people to your will. See, in the end, those kind of techniques can get you compliance. They can get you, people will do what you say for now. But what you find afterwards is they'll be working against you in some way because they won't like it. I love what John Maxwell says. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still so if you only do it because I made you then one day it's going to come back and bite me and people will always eventually react to fear tactics to distrust to defensiveness to resentment to, to they'll, they'll get antagonised and they'll, it'll all come back in one day and it'll, it'll splash over and be a mess and so often that's where we've ended up in our society. As I say, in this, in this generation, in families, in government and unfortunately in churches. But while it's always been the case that this is, what it should, this is what it is like in the world, Jesus said it shouldn't be like that among us. He said it mustn't be like that among us. Matthew chapter 20. It says this. You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you, is it? Whoever wants to be great, it's not wrong to be great. Whoever wants to be great must become a what? Servant. Whoever wants to be first among you, nothing wrong with being first, be first to serve. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That's like the person who, who does the thing nobody else wants to do and does that first. This is what I have done, Jesus says. I came to serve, not be served, and then to give away my life. It's the exact opposite of trying to get my own way is to give away my life. You see, there's two ways there to use authority. You can lord it over people for your own benefit, and try and kid yourself that it's about them, or you can love all over people. Be the first to serve, not be served. 
And the word that we read there is lord it over in another translation. Could be translated as subjugate or control. I think we've got it in another version, have we? Or not, maybe not. Yeah. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Among you, it will be different. We're supposed to exercise authority, but we're supposed to do it differently. And how do we do that? What can we do so that we can, um, we can do that? Well, we have to recognise that we, we want to use our gifts to be able to serve other people and to do that under authority. Because when you're under authority, you are authorised by the author. I'll say that again because it was good. <laughs> when you are under authority, you are authorised by the author, the author of life backs you up. True spiritual authority comes from the one that the Bible calls the author of life and the author of our salvation. Authority is from the author and it's for the author and for his purposes. The author of your story, the one who started it and the one who's been writing every line of it, the one who's going to finish it. He's pleased when you do what you were created and made to do, the way you were created to do it, at the time you were created to do it. Everybody was created to have a place and a purpose. It's no accident. Your birth date, every day ordained for you was written in that book before one of them came to pass. It's no accident you're alive right now, the age that you are in the place where you're at. You were born for such a time as this. It's no accident because there's a specific territory that God has placed you in, that nobody else in the whole history of the world has ever been in the place where you are. How awesome is that? It's different for everybody, which is why nobody should compare with anybody else. You know there's an author, don't you, of life. You know God made you in his image and likeness. We've looked at these truths time and time again in these evenings together. But it's one thing to know that he created you. It's a completely different thing to know why, what did he create you for? So many people just haven't got a clue what they were made for. They've got no idea why they're alive. And the Greek word that would tie in together with this is, is, is your metron. Metron is a Greek word in the New Testament. It's used a lot, which means a measure. We get a word from it. What, do we get, what word do you think we might get from it? Meter, absolutely. A measure. Literally, a limited portion the word metron is found a lot in 2 Corinthians and especially in chapter 10 when somebody's accused the Apostle Paul of going beyond his spiritual authority. And he's like, he's writing a letter and he's talking to this church and he's starting to tell them what to do. And some people there say, well, who's Paul anyway? And why would he have a say in what we're about? Why would, who, you know, who made him king of us? He's not boss of us. People are saying that. He's got no spiritual authority. And so in reply, he says, actually, hey, hang on. I planted that church. I got you started in the first place with the gospel. I have certainly got authority to be able to speak into the life of that church. I'm not going to let those other people silence me and crowd me out. But he, he says that, but he does at the same time accept, and he talks about there being limits on a sphere of authority that he's got. See, when I was in the police, um, you were sworn in as a police constable and you were told that you had powers Powers of arrest to be able to stop people doing what they were doing and if they didn't like it, never mind, you're getting in the back of the van. But those powers extended, they were in England and Wales. If 
I went to Scotland and tried it, uh-oh. If I went to France, to a under la rest. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, Paul understood how authority works. So he writes this, he said, I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but authority is to build you up. It doesn't tear you down. So I will not be ashamed of using my authority. I'm not going to compare myself to other people and say how wonderful I am compared with them. But they're only comparing themselves with each other. How ignorant. And then he continues. We will not boast about things done outside our area of authority. Other translations say measure. Metron. Here. We will only boast about what has happened within the boundaries, within the metron of the work God has given us, which includes you. We're not reaching beyond these metrons when we claim authority over you as if we'd never visited you. For we were the first to bring you the good news of Christ. Nor do we boast or claim credit for the work somebody else has done. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be Extended. So there is a way, if that's like my boundary of how far I can go with God, there is a way to see that extended. There is a way for that to grow. It grows and it's linked to faith, according to that passage. The New King James Version reads like this. Why don't you read it with me? But we will not boast of things outside our measure. But according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure which reaches even to you. We're linked with this thing called New Thing. It's like a church planting network all over the world now. Africa and India and America. And the guy who kind of started it, Dave, Dave Ferguson, he talked about how he had this dream when he just left Bible school and he went and he got a napkin and he drew on it about planting some churches all around Chicago. And he drew it, he drew Chicago and he drew some things. And it took years, but eventually they started to see it happen. And that inspired me to get a napkin and to be able to draw Manchester some years ago and think about us planting different kinds of churches. And this week, We've, we've looked at how, you know, just this morning at Ivy Kingsway, we, we talked about releasing some great members of staff, um, well, Ben, Emma's staying with us, to, to go and plant a church somewhere in Manchester. It, it won't be an Ivy church, but it's coming from us, and we're releasing them to do that. We also have got Manny and Cecile, who've been with us for a year, we've been training them. They're going to go to France. They'll have authority in France. They'll be able to speak French, for one thing. And they'll be able to go and help to plant and start a church over there. And we've got ideas for more plants in the future. So we do that within our metron. It's like there was a time where I felt God saying, I don't want you to just draw Manchester on your napkin anymore. I want you to be brave and start drawing the UK and Ireland. And I would do it and I'd be rubbish at it. I always miss Wales off. <laughs> and then it would be like, next thing he's saying, now you're drawing that, I want you to draw Europe. And I'm like, I can't, I have no idea where Holland is. I can't draw, I can't do that. But it's like God is going, go on stretch I never want to do that until he tells me but the way it works is if God gives you something and you work with it then he gives you some more it has to start how does it start same with everybody it starts in here this is the first place where he wants to rule inside of us and then as he does that more and more he extends the kingdom outside of you as he extends the kingdom inside of you and you see from me it goes to relationships that are closest to me that's why the Bible says you should never have anybody involved in leading a church whose kids are a disgrace. It's literally what it says. 
He says, if they can't exercise authority within the home, what's making you think that they're going to be able to exercise authority outside in the church? It doesn't work like that. Why would you, if they can't rule in their own house, put them in charge of more of God's kids? It's really serious stuff. And there is a place for you to work and contribute by exercising and growing and serving with your gifts as you give the best of your gifts to the rest of the world. But then as you do that, you know, this is the way it works in the world, isn't it, actually? People who work with what they've given get more. It's not fair, it's just life. It's the way it works. It's like some people are waiting, they're waiting around all the time, waiting for the dream job, but sleeping on the present one. Dream on. See, if you've got somebody who says, well, I'm really keen to, to grow and get some more responsibility given to me at work or to get a better job in some way, but, but they never grow themselves. They never read a book about, and they never, they never go and serve very well in that job, but they're waiting for somebody to give them a better one, and then they say, when it's better, then I'll be better. No, it doesn't work like that. You get better, it will get better. You'll get more given to you because you've been faithful with what you've got. Is this true? It's painfully true. We see it all the time. See, if, if you've got somebody who says, I just want more and more money for what I'm doing and I want you know, people to respect me more and all that kind of stuff, but they spend all their time off just watching box sets and they're last in, first out. Then when the boss is looking around, because they've got to get rid of some people, who's going to be first out now? We might not like it. It's the way it works. It's the way the world works. And then when I'm looking, when, when I'm, I mean, I'm a boss. When I'm looking to promote people, I'm looking for the people who are giving the best. And they get the best given to them because you can trust them with more. And Jesus says this is the way it works in the kingdom of heaven too. He talks about it in the parable of the talents. The one, if you remember the story, the one who did nothing got nothing. The one with the most worked with it the most and he got the most reward. In the end he says, you're going to rule over ten cities. And the other guy's like, aw. That's not in the Bible. I just added that. You're like, well, okay, but what am I supposed to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know, you're saying I've got these talents, I don't know what to do with them. Well, I'll tell you, here's a clue. Do you know what follows straight after the parable of the talents in Matthew's Gospel? It's the parable of the sheep and the goats. When Jesus says to some people, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. So while some people are sitting around thinking, well, I was just waiting for a specific word from God. I was waiting for somebody to come up to me in church and, you know, give me a picture of a unicorn or something and then tell me this and all of that. And then I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Jesus is like, no, I told you what to do. Did you visit somebody? Did you feed somebody? Did you go and pray for that sick person? Because what's most important to Jesus is people. Always. And eternities especially. What's going to happen to them forever? So he says, don't bury anything I've given you. Dig it up. Get using it for other people. Use it to be a blessing to other people. Everybody gets a place to serve. 
Everybody gets an opportunity. Everybody has some ability, don't they? Every person here has got some ability. And you can use it just on yourself and for your own benefit or you can use it for the benefit of other people. And you get a sphere of authority. You've got a place right now, some people for you to serve and to be a blessing to. You're responsible for that. That's your sphere of authority is the place where you're responsible. And it's all right to pray for more. It's good to pray for more. In fact, there's a, we did a series a little while ago, the, the prayer of Jabez, and this guy cried out to God. And he said, oh, that you will bless me indeed. And one of the things that he said was, and extend my territory. He's like, give me more. Give me more. That's a good prayer to pray. But make sure you're doing what he's told you first. A few clues to help you to figure out what your sphere of authority is right now. Where's the place where you're meant to be? You could, if, you're, if you're a note taker, write something down and when you go home you can pray and talk to God about this and maybe talk it through with other people too. These are some diagnostic questions. Number one, know who. Know who is more important than know how. Whether you're a parent, a teacher, whether you're like a grow group leader, that's what we call house groups here, some other kind of service in the church, you have been given a sphere of people. You could write down some of the names of who those people are. Some people are already Christians and you can be helping them to grow and you can encourage them in their work with God. Some people are not yet Christians and you're responsible, you've got authority like nobody else to be able to pray for those people to come and find Jesus. They're people that you, know, you can reach out to and you can serve and you can, if opportunity comes and as it comes, you can witness to them. Number two, know you. Especially your gifts. There's never been another person like you. You are absolutely unique in the whole of history. Isn't that amazing when you think about it? There's nobody else got your fingerprint, your DNA. God designed you like that, especially on purpose with some things that only you can do. And Jesus said that serving, the way he described serving once, he said it's like giving somebody a drink. So if you're going to give somebody a drink, you've got to look what's in the cup. What are the things that he's put inside of you? What are the passions? What are the talents? What's the, the, the history, the things that he's shown you in the past? The talents that he's given you, they're absolutely unique. There's never been another you. There will never be another you in the whole of history. Your gifts are a huge clue to your call because the Bible says the Lord equips those that whom he calls. So check your equipment. What are you good at? What is it that you do and other people say, I wish I could do that. And you say, it's easy. But it's not easy for them. But it's easy for you because that's the way God made you. What is the things that you do and time just passes? You're like, I could do this all the time. I lose myself in doing that. God made you like that, not just for you, but for other people too. Maybe you're somebody who's got this massive heart of empathy and compassion for other people. That's your gift to the world. Maybe you love to pray and you can just pray a lot more than other people. And maybe as you're praying, God gives you insight, special kind of discernment or, or even words of knowledge for other people. Maybe you're meant to give them. Maybe you're supposed to just pray into them. Maybe you've got really practical skills. Maybe you're great with computers or, or you're, you know, you're good with your hands or you're, you're great with kids. And you're you know, good at cooking. Whatever it is, God will use whatever he's given you if you'll give it back to him. Maybe God has blessed you with resources, the ability to be able to be more generous than other people. You know what? If you do more of that, he'll give you more to be good with. 
Maybe you're good with figures. Maybe you're great with building teams. The skills that you use out there, God wants to use in here as well, for out there. Don't just use it all out there. Don't just use them all on yourself. In fact, the thing is with the gifts that God gives us, if we just use them on ourselves, they end up fizzling out in the end. They don't give us the, the buzz that they used to anymore because they're gifts. They're not urns. They're not deserves. They're gifts. We all started life speechless, naked, knowing nothing. And God gives us through life all kinds of stuff to be able to use for other people too. Number three, know your place. And this sounds negative. Again, the authority thing, know your place. But the way that Paul uses the word metron, he's talking about a place, a geography that God opened up to him. And because he was faithful in that place, he knew he was going to go on from there and there'd be more places that God would give him to. That's how it works. Be faithful where he put you and just look where he takes you. Again, in the police. The way it started off, they gave you a little beat, a little area. And you walked it. I walked it for like two years, walking around this same beat. And I got to know it. And I got to know it really well. I got to know lots of people there, the goodies and the baddies. And, and then after a bit, because you do that, then they say, now we're going to entrust you with more. You're going to, I became like a community policeman. This became my area. And then, if you're doing that well, then you can apply for extra responsibilities. You can try for, you go on courses and you learn some new stuff to be able to go and, and get more responsibility. You get a divisional focus. You get to drive all over the place and do all kinds of stuff. And then perhaps some people go on like these squads and they get a, a regional crime squad or some national kind of thing and all that kind of stuff. Here's the problem. One of the reasons that I think, if I can go slightly semi-political for a moment, is the reason that we've got such a mess in lots of ways in the police anymore is that years ago they started to bypass that system and they started to get people and give them high positions of responsibility with very low level of local knowledge or how things work on the ground. But they kind of just took people in and said, oh, you've got a degree. You must be really clever. It ain't so. Some of us with the degrees know that's the case. We're going to give you this rank straight away. You don't have to bother with all of that, getting to know people and talking to people and find out how things really work in communities because you've got a degree in geography. And what we've done, and this is the problem, you end up giving people authority that they haven't got, they've not learned what to do with it. What we have to do, we have to be willing to, to lay it all down and we can do that in a moment as we worship and, and to, to say to God, I'll die to who I am now in order for you to take me up into what you want me to be in the future. And to be able to trust and know God's got more for me in the future than he's had for me in the past. And, and the thing is, it's always going to be a fight for you to step up into the things that God has got for you. It's never just going to be easy. There's assignments that God has got for you. There are callings that, that God has got for you. There are enemy onslaughts and attacks that will come against you to stop you from finishing. 
See, some people are brilliant at starting. I am really good at starting. But so many times I've started and not finished. Anybody else? It doesn't matter how many things you start. The enemy's not bothered about how many things you start. He's only really bothered when you finish. Once we've completed one assignment, then it's like the Bible talks about you've finished the race. You've fought the good fight. And, and you've got authority then for the next stage. It's like computer games. I don't play many of them, but there's those computer games. And it's like you go and you have a battle or whatever. And you pick up some armour, don't you? Or you pick up a gun or something like that. And then you can take it to the next level. This is how it works in spiritual senses. Fights that we've been through, stuff that you've gone through. You think, why did God take me through that? But you're wearing something. You're carrying something now that you could only have picked up in that place and in that fight. And finally, know your measure of faith. Romans 12 verse 3 says, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Every single person here now, anybody who's listening to this talk, you've been given a measure of faith. Jesus sometimes looked at his disciples and he'd kind of tell them off and he'd say, you have such little faith. You are those of little faith. And we've, some of us have got you know, we'd have to be honest, a little bit of faith. Jesus looked at that centurion we started out the whole talk with and he says, I've never found anybody yet with such great faith. Why was it so great? Because he learned how authority works. He knew that he was under somebody, so because he was under somebody, he was over something. Jeff before God's going to bring him into a place of praying for healing and because he knows he's under somebody as he operates under that authority that God has given him he's going to be over some sicknesses and to be declaring that God grows our faith like this faith's a muscle that's what they say isn't it how do, how do muscles grow by the way what you feed them and resistance. That's how muscles grow, isn't it? Depends what you feed them with and resistance. If there's no resistance, the muscle won't grow. Faith gets built the same way. Haven't you seen, have you met somebody and you kind of admired their faith in God? You kind of, how come they've got such great big faith in God? I'll tell you why they've got some great faith in God. They've, they've fed it, right? And they've exercised it. They've done something with it. Some people here, some people in this church have got incredible faith muscles. And you know why? They've been through some things and they've seen the faithfulness of God and they've come up against some resistance and they've kept on going and they've not given up. In Exodus 23 verse 30, I finish with this, God describes what it looks like. He said, I will drive them out before you. He's talking about the enemies in the land. And he says, I will drive them out before you little by little until you become fruitful and take possession of the land. He said, I'm not going to do it all at once. Why? I want you to grow. I want your muscles to grow. So I'm not going to just give you all the answers to all of the prayers straight away. You just end up fat and flabby. I want you to be strong. I want you to be a person of strong faith. That comes because you've 
kept on praying, kept on loving, kept on serving, kept on following. And the angels were being released to come and fight battles on your behalf. And miracles started to come in, seen and unseen. And your faith muscles start to grow by being stretched, by standing, by kneeling, by crying out to God. In the dark times, in the face of hopelessness, to hope in God. That's when your faith grows. And at the same time as your faith grows, your territory expands. Your authority grows too. Would you stand and we'll pray together as a band come up? I was praying this afternoon into this and the phrase that came to mind, I just want to, if there's one thing I say that you remember, it's this, life is a fight for territory. Life is a fight for territory. In every sphere of your life, God has now given you some territory. He's given you something, some people perhaps to defend and some things to fight for and extend. I'll say it again. God has given you something to defend and something to extend. It's like a garden. You know what it's like in a garden. You've got territory and you've got to keep it. You've got to tend it. What happens if you don't? The world comes in and messes it all up. God is saying tonight, and some people, it's been tough, and you were asking why, even this week, listen, it's because life is a fight for territory. And you've got a place, and you've got a people, and you've got some assignments, and it's a fight for territory. And once you stop fighting for what you want, automatically what you don't want starts to take over. You've got a decision tonight and that involves fighting. Not giving up but going up. So let's just put our hands in our hearts as we start to pray. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're being called to go up another level. Don't back down. Don't step down. Step up. Keep waiting. Keep trusting. It will happen. God's not forgotten. Get passionate. Get focused. Get going. Get started. Get up. You are authorised by the author of life. You have authority from him. If he has the kingdom he also has the power and as long as he gets the glory you have the authority just think about what this means to you personally think about your sphere ask God to show you who's under your sphere of authority who is it who's in your orbit who are the people family work friends neighbours some far away some a bit closer you have got I don't know who they are even if I knew you quite well I might know one or two of them but you know 50 of them we're not just talking Facebook friends we're talking people that God has really connected you to in some way and you've got authority to represent, to, to pray and intercede, to defend and extend territory 
Ask him for the power. Ask him for the authority. Spiritual authority. Lord, there's some people I need to defend for you. I need, I need you to give me the, the strength for that. There's a ministry. I need to extend. There's, as I'm faithful here, Lord, help me to be faithful there. Give me what you've got for me in the timing that you have. I'll trust you. It's scary. Just see yourself actually now by faith, however big the circle was, just draw it a little wider to some stuff you can't see yet. God's doing that tonight. You, you were here for this. He's stretching you in your spirit. He's giving you more. You've been faithful. Here's some more. A bigger dream. More, more of God, more of him for you, more of his power for you, more authority, more, more favour. See, for the two young people there, just the Lord saying that to you, the two of you, that he's, he knows your heart and he loves your heart and he knows that you've been up and down at times but he's always up with you he's raised you up he's wrapped you up in his love you're his you're never going to get away you're never going to run away from him he's got you in the palm of his hand and, and just being where you are and being who you are is enough and he'll do the things that he wants to do through you because he just loves who you are you don't have to try at it. It's like, not, I don't have to remember 10 things. I don't have to try all kinds of, of things I've got to try and remember. Don't make it hard. It's not hard. It's easy. It's just beloved, 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 beloved. When you wake up in the morning, just say, say, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. And he does so much. Just you never have to doubt it. You never have to worry. You never have to be like, I don't know if I'm good enough. He's always going to love you. He's always has loved you. He's got big stuff for you in the future. He's got massive. Any any dream you can write down on a piece of paper and encourage you to do that for your future. He can like do ten times more. He can do a hundred times more than you could ask or imagine. So ask and imagine. Some people have got a lot more fear than imagination, but God's given you great imaginations. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.